Welcome to No Finish Line, a podcast with John O'Regan, sponsored by Great Outdoors Dublin. Hello and welcome back to another episode of No Finish Line podcast featuring athlete interviews and discussion on running, training, travelling and adventure. And I'm your host, John O'Regan. This will be part four of the Jantastic journey where we progress John Corcoran's transition from marathon runner to ultramarathon runner. Last week we touched a bit more on her training and training plan and we've had a few questions relating to the training plan asking us how we actually structure a plan and put it together. So we're going to touch on that a little bit more and talk about how Jan preps herself in advance of training sessions and races. Jan, welcome back. Thanks for having me, Jan. Now let's talk a little bit about the training. One of the questions that was asked was, how did we work out your training plan? Like, how did we figure out what you were going to do? Well, I suppose I've been keeping a training diary of all the sessions that I've done, uh, whether it be for the marathon or for the 50k. Um, so what we did is we sat down and we kind of built on that. So we kind of knew which was going to be Pacific, which was going to be the peak weeks. And then obviously the, the hardest one was the taper. So what we would have done is, is we would have looked back over kind of old sessions or, or old plans um, to see, OK, how many weeks of a taper did I do? or um, kind of what worked for me. So because after each session, I'd obviously be writing down how I felt and um, whether I was tired or if I needed a, a longer kind of taper into a race. And um, so it was kind of it was built on a lot of communication back and forth. So it's great that I can document it um, while obviously writing it down in a diary or typing it up. But then also it's great that I can look back over my Garmin as well and kind of get a lot more detail from that. And throughout the process, you've been very involved with what was going on because I think that as a coach, you should coach the athlete to be independent. So they should be involved in the decision making. They should know not only what they're doing, but know why they're doing it and know what sessions work best and know how to structure the weeks. And sometimes the coach can be there just to be a second opinion. Yeah, and kind of just guide you as well, because if there was a session that I was doing that I wasn't kind of sure where I was getting the benefit from it, then obviously I can sit down with my coach and say, look, I, I don't see that this is working for me. Um, or like the, it could be coming up to work as well, that just if timelines like that and you're being given a long run to do that day and it just didn't suit on that day um, and you wanted to move it, um, it's good then that you can sit down with your coach and kind of and go through it that way. But um, as I always say, happy athlete is a happy coach yes and an athlete has to have a certain amount of personal responsibility and that's where the training already comes in now i know that it's very easy for me to look over stuff on garmin connect but sometimes you have to go looking for what you're trying to find whereby if you're keeping a training diary it's easier to recall some of the information rather than having to dig back over months and months of uh, sessions yeah, and then like I'd put in notes as to how I felt, what the weather was like, um, if I was tired, if legs felt heavy, if I'd had a massage, kind of little things like that. So that even just not only for the coach, I can look back as well myself and kind of go, especially coming up to race week, um, I find that that part is good. So if I had like for Dublin last year was uh, a good lead up into that as well, I can look back at that and go, OK, well, what did I eat um, that week or what was my training sessions that week and if it worked um, then obviously um, that's a great kind of useful tool that I can bring into the next race. 
Right, let's talk a little bit about the training plan itself. So when we were coming up with your plan, first of all, we worked out how much time you had available. And then we start with the end in mind. So we write down the date of your race. Then we try and figure out how much time you will need to taper beforehand. And that's when you become involved because you know what length of a taper has suited you best with going into a marathon or a 50k. Yeah, and and that was um, I think that's key to it. So it's kind of like you're working backwards um, from what your goal is going to be and then you're working back and then you just build on it from that. Um, but albeit like most plans would be 16 weeks as well. Um, my obviously plan kind of changes quite a bit as well, depending on what's coming up um, and how I'm feeling after each session. So moving back down from the taper, we have that kind of period where you're going to be uh, peaking. Um, again, we need to work out how much time we can allocate to that period. Yeah, and and that kind of works well as well. It's kind of it's nearly like they're all different blocks and um, building blocks. So there's no point in moving into the next block if you're not ready. And that I've been kind of if I had a needed more specific training to be able to get me to a certain pace, and then bringing it in then to the peak and then into the taper. And then stepping back again, we would have a period where boy we'd be working a lot more on your strength, which is what we're doing at the moment. Yeah. And then moving back again, we would allocate as much time as is available to working on your your endurance yeah so it's kind of typically i suppose my plan for the 100k is is that we started with a base and an endurance because i'd come off the back of the 50k um i knew i already had a base there already so it was just kind of working from that and then kind of went into pacific training and then hopefully that will go into peak and then into taper um i suppose it's helped with my job as well that it's i'm quite flexible with my job as well so um i've kind of reduced down to uh, three days week um, to obviously to commit to all this training and um, just to make sure that I'm getting it all in and my job of being great kind of flexible with that as well so it's allowed for say double sessions as well which is great which I hadn't done before and I'm actually quite enjoying kind of breaking it up it doesn't look as daunting then if I had two runs um, to do in the day at first I kind of I did look at it and kind of go god I have to run twice but it was actually worked out to be a lot better because I didn't feel like I was rushing the run um, and having to try and, and finish it. It kind of it was built around that I was able to do some maybe before work and then some later on then that evening. And you do those sessions quite easy when you are doing a double day. Yeah, yeah, which is nice as well. So and then it doesn't look, as I say, it doesn't look daunting if you've seen, oh, I have 20k to do today. But when you split it up into 10k box, then it's it's a lot easier then to maintain. Because I think it's important that when you start increasing volume, when you have more quantity of your training, you have to make sure that there's still quality there. It has to be purposeful. Yeah, and like for the 100k, it's definitely, my training has definitely picked up I'm doing a lot more distance than I would have done before um so like I'm clocking up 100k week or over 100k weeks um, which is new territory for me I might have done one week or two of that during a Dublin marathon but um obviously for for 100k it's a completely different um kettle of fish and I'm having to obviously build up on that endurance now as you mentioned 100 kilometer a week how does it feel knowing that you're going into a race that's going to last for 100 kilometers so you're going to do your weekly volume in one day 
I know that's what I said that kind of dawned on me there in the last week when I was kind of looking back over my training plan and I was calculating up what would uh, how far had I gone and realizing I'd done all that in one week I was like now I have to go and do that in in one day um but look it is what it is and on the day I'll just break it down kind of like I would with any of my other um sessions when I'm going out just break it down and uh, take each kind of block um as I go and hopefully then it won't be as daunting and by the time you start peaking with this particular plan your volume will be increased that little bit more, but we'll have to do it in a way that your body is able to absorb it. So we need to continuously monitor what you're doing. Just there's no point in having you at the start line being overcooked. It's best to have you there even a little bit underprepared and then you can use the race then to well, put the icing on the cake. Yeah, and it's kind of it's good as well because the sessions I've been kind of doing nearly two back to back kind of long runs Um, at first I thought it was a bit mad but now I'm kind of starting to see the method to it that it is that I'm going into the next session um, albeit a little bit tired um, going into it the legs but then as the session goes on I do loosen out um, and I'm starting to find the benefits of it that I'm getting stronger as I'm doing them so because obviously 100k it is a long way so on the race the legs are obviously going to get tired so it's been able to fight through that tiredness and that I'm starting to see the benefits of it now now let's go back to the training plan structure again so we're at the mentioning the blocks that we have we have the race day or race week then we have our taper we'll be peaking we have our strength and then base and endurance so what we do is we have those blocks and then we have a blank canvas and then i ask you what dates within this are you going to be missing because you like your holidays and then you cancel out those days. You tell me that you still do a little bit when you go away. Now, it's not always essential, but we cancel out those blocks and then we start to piece it together. Yeah, and it's good that like that the plan is based around me because obviously you have to have a life as well. You can't just um, train all the time. Um, you have to be able to, to go away on those holidays and come back refreshed. Um, as I say, I, I do still run when I'm away. Um, sometimes I'm afraid that when I get over there, somebody will have taken the, the trainers out of my case. Um, so, But yet, yeah, no, it is. It's built around kind of uh, whatever it is that I have. I suppose for this training block, I've been a lot more kind of structured where I haven't booked anything um, because obviously it's a whole new distance for me. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I got the, the correct training in. Um, and obviously, yeah, I will have the odd um, rest day or family event that will come up. Um, but the plan is structured around that. And now we have the template. Um, we have all the gaps that we just started populating that. So the race, as we said in the last episode, is the context. And now we have to start filling the content. Typically, you would be doing three definite sessions per week. And what you do in between those sessions is like a bridge to join them together. And that's what's helping you get the adaption. It's not during the training, the hard training sessions that you that you get fitter or faster. They're the catalyst for that to happen. And it's during the recovery afterwards that you get those benefits. So the question we then have to ask is, what will make Jan faster and what will make Jan run further? And that's when we look back to some of the previous runs and sessions that have been done to see what has been most productive. And that's where Jan comes in again. 
Yeah, and it's good. And that's, I suppose, why it's important that I'm keeping the training diary um, because we can look back. Like if I didn't document anything that I was doing, while um, the Garmin is great, it kind of just gives you more statistics. But it's the actual notes then that you put down on how you felt after each session, what your nutrition was, what your hydration was. Um, did you have a good night's sleep the night before? Was it broken? Did you have a stressful day at work? Like all of these little things have a knock on effect to a training session as well um like life does get in the way um sometimes um not always for the better um but that's why it's it's good that i i document everything down yes it's very important to document those kind of things because the garmin won't record the emotion behind what you have done so it doesn't know how you're feeling it doesn't care how you're feeling and that's when you have to be honest and put those the put the finer detail into what you've done and that's what can make the difference as you're going forward. And it can also help to both find, find the root cause of any issues that you may be having. And it can help prevent overtraining. Yeah, and then as well, like weather could have an impact as well. So with obviously all the wind that we're having as well the last kind of few weeks, that can have a knock on effect to a session as well, because obviously you're fighting against that wind. Um, so like that could take a lot more out of you than if you went out on a, a normal kind of calm day as well. So there's like little things like that that will come back um, that it's great that you can look back over your, your training diary to to see, well, well, why did you not get the time or why weren't you hitting? the pace on that week and it didn't come down to um because you just didn't feel it in the legs it could have come down to to weather or um an emotion that you happen to be going through that day that's another very good point because the weather is something that needs to be factored in because if you were looking back over something that you did a month ago and if you didn't put in a note regarding the weather you might be unsure as to why it went the way it did yeah, and then I suppose like especially for the last couple of tempos, we've had pretty bad weather every time we seem to go out. Um, and then I think there was one week where we didn't and my pace dramatically jumped up that I was doing um, a lot faster. Um, but I think it was because the week before I was struggling and fighting against the wind. So when I got that week where there was no wind, um, my pace obviously went up so it showed that I could actually do the pace it was just that I was fighting a lot through it um, the other weeks um, but obviously that's something then that you just need to be mindful of um, when you're coming into your next sessions and speaking of the training how are things going to be now at the moment everything is going well thankfully um, no injuries just obviously the usual kind of tiredness that kind of comes into the legs um, but that's kind of where I've also built into the training plan is that I get sports massages um, every two weeks um, just making sure that the body and everything is in ship shape um, so that's also part of the plan um, so it all kind of pieces in while it's not obviously specifically down on my plan that I go and get a massage that day um, it's kind of something that I've built in to to maintain and make sure that I'm 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 doing okay. And that's where the personal responsibility comes in as well, because there are certain things that you do have to do and be proactive. 
Yeah. And then like I do some strength and conditioning in the house as well and stretching and stuff like that as well. Um, because obviously there's quite a lot in the training plan. I don't always get the time to get to the gym or to do anything like that. So I tend to just do stuff at home uh, while obviously it's not religious and it is sometimes better when you do go to a gym or to a class. Um, I kind of started to just do stuff as I'm going around to fit it around, obviously, family life as well. Um, and I do like getting the sports massages because it just makes sure it's um, keeping the the legs in shape as well and the pain and the pain yeah (laughs) although it is nice to to go for some of those relaxation massages more so than uh, the sports massages all the time but uh, Milena keeps me in in ship shape and I suppose the legs wouldn't be um, still continuing to go if I didn't have her every uh, two weeks well personally I feel that if you don't feel that bit of pain you weren't getting value for money now, I don't look forward to getting the massage and I probably don't get them done as often as I should. I usually wait until I have to go and don't really have a choice. Yeah, and I think I always say to Milena, I, I'm in the wrong career. She gets paid to, to cause pain <laughs> and I actually hand over the money then um, um, to do it. Uh, but no, it is great having her there and like I'd have her booked because she's uh, quite popular as well. Um, so I'd have her booked right up now until the end of the year because uh, I want to make sure that I, I'm kept in shape. Like bringing your car in for service. Exactly, yeah. I'm bringing my own body in for an MOT. Now, how would you prepare for one of your training sessions? Um, I suppose it depends on which one that I'm doing. For Let's say I'm, Wednesday, your tempo run. Tempo run. Um, I would obviously know that I'm going to be doing that tempo run. So mentally, I'd get myself ready for that. I'd make sure, well, now I make sure that I have enough nutrition. Right, now, speaking of nutrition, when does that start with your nutrition when you're preparing for your tempo run? be the night before uh, where I would have thought oh just because I've eaten at lunchtime that that's enough to get me through to obviously doing the session and our sessions don't start till seven so before I would have just had a lunch at one o'clock and then I wouldn't eat again until after um, the training session so uh, there was obviously there was times where I was coming up and I wasn't uh, not that I wasn't able to complete the sessions I'd always complete them I just probably wouldn't do them to the potential that I could be able to do them and um, so now I'm thinking ahead so I'm always now my nutrition will be the night before that I'm thinking okay I've got a hard session tomorrow I need to get the body ready for that Um, so I, I've started to have kind of a bit later of a supper and then going into the morning making sure of my breakfast and my snack and then I'm having a main meal now at lunchtime um, so that it's preparing me that I have enough um, storage there in the body to, to tackle that tempo run. And as an example, what was that main meal this Wednesday? For this Wednesday, I had pasta. Um, so I'd have pasta with a bit of chicken um, and some vegetables thrown into that. Um, so it was a nice kind of, it was light enough. It wasn't like a huge portion of um, pasta, but it was enough that I knew was going to get me through that session. And then obviously then afterwards, then I just have a bagel and eggs then for, for later on afterwards. And I'd have my protein milk for the, the straight after the session is finished, kind of when we're all standing around talking because it's those 20 minutes that are important to make sure that I'm I'm building the, the muscles back up after doing such a hard session. Yes, I'm glad you said that. Very important to have something available for immediately after the training. Last Monday, we were off the track we had a problem getting back onto the track, which would have meant that somebody would have been late getting home. And that delay, I suppose, lessens the benefits that you're getting from from the food. 
So it's always a good idea to have something with you that you can have immediately afterwards. A drink is preferable to solid food because when you're drinking your calories, you're also hydrating yourself. Yeah, and it's so easy now, I suppose, to have that stuff there. So whether it be that you'd have your protein shake ready or like my favorite would be the Avonmore um, protein chocolate milk um, because it's so handy to just have and just have it in the car and it's ready to go. Um, and they're also available as well. So um, it does make it easier. I try not, I stay away from a lot of the powdered stuff. I try and just have the, the natural milk if I can um, and just kind of just make sure I always have it in the car so I can have it straight away. Because like as I said before on previous podcasts, I don't be hungry after a training session. Um, so it's nice to know that I've gotten something into me so by the time I get home it's given me a chance to have a shower and kind of get myself organized and then possibly look at having some eggs or a bagel or or something like that then afterwards. And as we also mentioned training especially a hard training session will suppress your appetite and that's even more the reason to be taking something on board so it is a good idea to have a recovery drink and something that is quite tasty something that's very palatable. Yeah, something that you know that you're you're looking forward to that when you finish the session, um, you're looking forward to having your your chocolate milk or your vanilla shake or, or whatever it might be. Um, so it's kind of like it's uh, you know it's waiting for you and it's ready to have. And then because as we always do after our sessions, we say oh we're going to to race off and get home, but we always end up standing around chit chatting. And before you know it, you're twenty minutes, thirty minutes after a session and you haven't had anything. Um, so it's great kind of a, having it there that your your car or in the clubhouse that um, you have something left in your bag. I'd agree with you with what you're saying about having uh, chocolate milk and something that's more natural than using protein powders. But I still think there is an advantage with having the powders in that you can leave them in your car, they won't go off, and they're always there just in case you need them. The milk being a more natural product would be my first choice, but there are still benefits to having the powder stuff available. Yeah, and I'd still have the powdered stuff there as well, um, just as well, especially for travel. Because if you think of it, when you're traveling to a foreign country, they're not necessarily going to have the same protein milk that you would have had here in your shops. Um, so it is definitely something that um, I would have as an additional. Um, but if I'm at home, obviously in Ireland, then I'll have my have more protein milk. And then if I'm traveling, then I'd always have, um, I've started to use the, the Tailwind um, Recovery um powder um, and that's great because it comes in little sachets as well which gives you the right amount so that when you are away that it's easy you can just take it out and have it in your your shaker um, by just adding water or whatever it is that you, you like to put with it um, so yeah I'd, it'd be a mix of both that I would have and another one that I would favourite would be the Connecticut ready-made recovery drinks and at, at the moment I, I have a very small tub of a Connecticut protein powder stuck in the boot of the car. And I just use that as required. I try not to use it. To me, it's like having a spare wheel. It's there just in case I need it. Yeah, and it's, it's, it is definitely, as you say, like with the warmer weather, it isn't always easy to have kind of just the milk sitting there unless you've kind of got one of those um, cooler bags that you want to, to chuck into it as well. Um, but yeah, if you're on the go or anything like that, then yeah, it's, it's great to have. It's great to have a choice. And plus, it's better to be looking at it rather than looking for it. Exactly, yeah. And it seems to be quite popular now in filling stations and that, that they have a good selection of sport-related products. So they mightn't be suitable for everybody, but if you've been training, there is a requirement for this kind of stuff. And that's when the timing of foods, as we mentioned earlier, becomes important. 
Yeah. And then it's just as well, I suppose, for people just to be careful, because a lot of stuff now is being branded as um, protein and having the big protein stuck in the front of it. Um, and people think that, that it's healthy. Um, so they grab like a protein bar and they think that it's healthy. But just to be careful that um, what it is that they're taking um, is sufficient for what it is that they're doing. And um, because a lot of those protein bars um, have a lot of sugar in them as well. So it's just to be careful on that side. So as a snack, that mightn't be great. But again, if you've been training, it can be, it can be of benefit. an advantage, yeah. Because glycogen uptake into the muscles is an exercise-induced response. So if you've been exercising and then you take on, say, a recovery drink, which is carbohydrate and protein, the muscles are more receptive to taking in the carbohydrate, which is turned into muscle glycogen. And because the protein is also in circulation, there's more a chance of that being taken into the muscles and that helps as well with growth and repair. And the same being with, say, if you were in a protein bar that had a bit of extra sugar into it. If you take that soon enough after a training session, it can speed up the uptake of protein into the muscles where they need it. Yeah, that's true. I mentioned the treadmill training in the last podcast. And again, the, a few people have been in touch asking for a couple of my tips on how to make the treadmill running more enjoyable. So as always, I say, keep it simple. When you're running on the treadmill, I'd know what you're going to do before you step onto it. I'd warm up before the actual session. So it's very tempting to just jump onto the treadmill and start to work out. But you will enjoy it if you kind of ease into it and then have a definite time to start your session. If you find that you're training indoors and using a GPS watch, some of them have an indoor setting, but they won't always match what you see on the console of the treadmill. Treadmills might not always be calibrated, but that might not be the reason. It could also be that your watch is a little bit off or your watch is trying to work out what your speed is based on your stride length. So as a rule, I would generally go for whatever is the shorter distance. I would go by that. So if I was running 10k and the treadmill was saying I was at 9.7k and my watch was saying I was at 8.7, I would follow what was on my watch. If it was the other way around and my watch was at 9.7k and the treadmill said 8.7, I'd use what was on the treadmill. So I'd always underestimate what I have done so you don't end up cheating yourself. If you're in a gym where there's a selection of treadmills, you might favour one, but get used to using a few of the other ones. So on days when your training section isn't as important, I would try out the other treadmills, try and work out what suits you best. And I would try to use the same treadmill as often as possible. So again, you can compare sessions. It's recommended that you use a slight incline, that being 0.5% or 1%. Don't make it too difficult. But what that does is it makes you slightly lean forward. If you're standing on the treadmill, you're totally upright and you don't have to lean forward to actually make yourself run as you would if you were out on the road. The process of running is you're slightly falling forward and you're putting your foot out in front of you to stop yourself from falling. So with the treadmill, you place your foot onto, onto the belt, and the belt pulls you back, so you're not really using your quads. So all you're doing is replacing your leg where it was. So a slight incline will kind of help balance it out a small bit. But make sure that you don't make the treadmill too steep. Don't hold on to the handrail or the console. If you have to do that, it means the pace is too fast, or you have it too steep. Don't lean too far forward in that... When I say don't lean too far forward, don't lean from your hips. The lean should come from your ankles, of anything, and that should be coming from having the treadmill or a slight incline. Don't be looking down and pay attention to your stride and forget what's going on around you. 
you won't get a second chance from losing your attention on a treadmill because if you lose your footing you're going to end up in the wall behind you and that's the end of your training session and you'll probably end up on youtube or somewhere like that so pay attention to what you're doing and a very very important one is have a drink available for after your run actually before that i'd say have a towel and maybe a hand towel because as you get further into the session it can become more difficult to use the towel and then it's easier to be picking up a hand towel to be wiping your face I'd have a bottle of water and maybe another carbohydrate drink just in case you feel that you're running low on energy. I'd also have a separate drink for after the run just in case it was needed. Again, better to be looking at it rather than looking for it. And if you plan on using the sauna when you finish, make sure to have extra fluids packed. Now the sauna is not recommended after running on a treadmill, but I have kind of got into the habit now of going into the sauna. I like that as a way of switching off in the morning and and I take in a one and a half litre bottle of water and I have it flavoured slightly. So that's my kind of reward for doing the treadmill session. When you get home, make sure to wash your used clothing and towels as soon as possible because you will sweat a lot more. And if that's left on your clothing or towel for too long, it can get quite pungent. So make sure that you clean those as soon as possible. And that's about it. Just know what you are doing before you get onto the treadmill and use the opportunity to do your tempo runs or something that little bit faster and let the treadmill do the work and you just stay concentrated on what you're doing. How's that, Sean? Will that tempt you to go onto the treadmill? Seems like a lot of work <laughs> to be bringing to a treadmill. Yeah, as I say, if I had to, I'd do it, but I, I still would be fair to, to go out onto the road. You're free range. Yeah, I am. Although I do like the sound of the sauna, so... Maybe that's something we need to get built into the clubhouse. When we get a clubhouse? Yeah, <laughs> we have to get the clubhouse first. And again, before we finish up, is there anything we can add to this? Yeah, just if anybody is wanting to follow my journey, um, that they can follow me on any of the social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook and Twitter, um, at Jantastic2. Um, and if anybody has any questions, also just feel free to, to drop me a message about how my training plan is going. Um, I'm hoping that um, everybody is enjoying it and they're finding that it's um, informative. And just that, um, yeah, just keep running, everybody. And we have said that we will do one of the episodes focusing on the Garmin and how we use it, talk about training sessions and how we plan them. And we might also do a Q&A. Actually, maybe for the next episode, we'll do a Q&A. So if anybody has any questions for Jan, you can post them on her Instagram, Twitter or Facebook. And we'll try and answer as many of them as possible and try and be as uh, honest and insightful. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. Okay, thanks again, John, and I'll see you at the track on Monday. Yeah, thanks, John. See you on Monday.